Tom Swarbrick on LBC. 10 to 6 the time, and thank goodness for that, because at this time on a Friday every week, we get to sit back and indulge in Simon Marks' American Week. Tom, whatever you think of Joe Biden's presidency so far, there is no doubt that on the world stage for him this week was a triumph. One year after Russia began its brutal war on Ukraine, bold as brass, the American president spent four hours on Monday in Kiev. The Russians were given advance warning of his journey and told not to impede it. But air raid sirens sounded, underscoring the security threat to Ukraine's capital as President Biden strolled alongside Volodymyr Zelensky on the city's cobbled streets. Thank you very much for coming, Mr. President. The president's first visit since Putin's war began was planned under a cloak of secrecy. Americans thought the Bidens were enjoying a quiet holiday weekend in Delaware. In fact, the president was flying to Poland, then taking a 10-hour rail journey overland to Ukraine's capital. It's reported here that the Secret Service and the Pentagon opposed the idea, saying it was too risky, but the plucky president insisted that he needed to go. Whatever the truth of the matter, the visit delivered the perfect images that Biden campaign managers will use when he announces his bid for re-election and they seek to portray him as the leading statesman of the age. One year ago, the world was bracing for the fall of Kiev. Well, I just come from a visit to Kiev, and I can report Kiev stands strong. In a speech in Warsaw on Tuesday, President Biden accused the Russian leader of first miscalculating and then committing war crimes. He announced fresh aid for Kiev, another half a billion dollars, and insisted the U.S. and its allies will stand by Ukraine for as long as it takes. We're seeing again today what the people of Poland and the people across Europe saw for decades. Appetites of the autocrat cannot be appeased. They must be opposed. Autocrats only understand one word. No, no, no. No, you will not take my country. No, you will not take my freedom. No, you will not take my future. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never be able to ease the people's love of liberty. Brutality will never grind down the will of the free. And Ukraine, Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. Never. That speech, carefully delivered by a president whose lifelong stammer often results in him mangling public remarks, included comments directed at the Russian people. He pushed back at Vladimir Putin's furious denunciation of the West that was delivered in an address in Moscow just hours earlier. The West was not plotting to attack Russia as Putin said today. And millions of Russian citizens who only want to live in peace with their neighbors are not the enemy. This war is never a necessity. It's a tragedy. President Putin chose this war. Every day the war continues is his choice. If Russia stopped invading Ukraine, it would end the war. If Ukraine Stop defending itself against Russia would be the end of Ukraine. That's why together we're making sure Ukraine can defend itself.
In order to do that, the president told the Polish people that Democrats and Republicans have come together to stand for freedom. But he knows that is not entirely true. Back in Washington, he is once again confronting the reality he faces now that the Republicans control the House of Representatives. There is a pro-Putin, Trump-backed group in Congress that insists it will now block any Biden administration efforts to keep writing blank checks for Ukraine. Defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate on Fox News, take a listen as he tries to reason with members of his own party. It will save us an enormous amount of money down the road if the Ukrainians can succeed. They're not asking for any of our personnel. They're asking us for financial help. The Europeans are stepping up. They've done an awful lot that seems not to be recognized. For example, handling enormous numbers of refugees. In terms of the cost of it, it's about 0.02% of our gross domestic product. And yet, Republican presidential aspirants were fanning out this week to insist that Biden's trip to Ukraine simply demonstrated he's more interested in that country's problems than in his own. While the cat was away, Donald Trump was the prime mouse at play in eastern Ohio. To the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities, we have told you loud and clear you are not forgotten. On a visit to the town devastated by this month's derailment of a train carrying highly toxic chemicals that were then set alight, the former president indicated that unlike the current occupant of the Oval Office, he's got the best interests of local residents at heart. You are not forgotten. We stand with you, we pray for you, and we We'll stay with you in your fight to help answer and the accountability that you deserve. We'll have that accountability. It'll all be out there very clearly. It is tempting, of course, to dismiss Trump's move, backed up as it was with thousands of bottles of water and free Big Macs given away to local townspeople as that of a chancer. But it would be a mistake. The people of East Palestine accuse the Biden White House of abandoning them. Here's the town's mayor, Trent Conaway, asked by Fox News how he viewed Biden turning up in Kiev instead of Eastern Ohio. That was the biggest slap in the face that tells you right now he doesn't care about us. I found that out this morning in one of the briefings that he was in the Ukraine giving millions of dollars away to people over there and not to us. And I'm furious. That tells you what kind of guy he is. In truth, there have been two train wrecks in East Palestine this month. The physical one that killed thousands of fish and other animals in nearby rivers made the town's water unsafe to drink and burned people's eyes and the backs of their throats. And then there's the second self-inflicted train wreck that has devastated the reputation of Pete Buttigieg, President Biden's transportation secretary. You'll remember that last week he was suggesting the derailment was just one of a thousand that take place annually in the United States. This week on ABC, he still insisted there were reasons he hadn't visited the town himself. When are you going to go to East Palestine? Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But that National Transportation Safety Board investigation can, of course, survive a visit to the town by the Transportation Secretary, as we discovered 24 hours later. Embattled over his response to the crisis, Buttigieg finally put in a brief appearance in East Palestine. You know, what I tried to do was balance two things. My desire to be involved and engaged and on the ground, which is uh, uh, how I am uh, generally wired to act, 
and my desire to follow the norm of transportation secretaries, allowing NTSB to really uh, lead the initial stages of the public-facing work. I'll do some thinking about uh, whether I got that balance right. But not too much thinking, presumably, because it's absolutely obvious that a man once widely respected by Democrats for his raw political instincts got it entirely wrong. Here's the rub for the White House. The president in Poland this week suggested that the war in Ukraine is a test for the ages of the ability of democracies like the US and the UK to triumph over autocracies like Russia and China. But as we've seen before, the Biden administration often falls short when it comes to delivering the fruits of democracy's promise to the very voters, Tom, who only next year will determine this country's future political path. From Washington, D.C., Simon Marks, American Week.